chapter 14. Uh, be honest with you, I didn't think the praise team, they did an amazing job. And I didn't think they'd ever quit singing today. I won't preach so bad. I don't know what to do. So I don't know what we're in for, but here it goes. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he said at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there was some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was the waste of this ointment made? Why the waste? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone, why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me, for you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good, but me you have not always. She hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the world, the whole world, this also that she has done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning just simply when worship is wasted. When worship is wasted. Everybody say, thank God for the word. Sigh real deep, you may be seated. Those of you joining us on live stream and Facebook live, welcome. We're so glad to have you folks with us. And please remember that we will not have Bible study here this coming Wednesday night. National Geographic printed an article a number of years ago entitled, Perfume, The Essence of Illusion. One major player in the industry stated in that article that perfume is a promise in a bottle. Perfume speaks more to our vulnerabilities than our strengths, the industry said. They went on to say, we sell hope. I want you to remember that. They said, perfume is a promise in a bottle. It's a promise locked up, sealed up, in a bottle. And he went on to say, we sell hope in the perfume industry. You may not understand that, but hopefully you will after a while. The article went on to say that perfume comes from a multitude of sources. Perfume can come from the fragrant fields of lavender and from along the, along the countrysides of France. Perfume can come from the dew-kissed petals of the damask rose that come from Bulgaria's Valley of Roses. Some may even come from the jasmine fields of India. But notice this. It takes two and a half million jasmine flowers, two and a half million flowers of jasmine, to yield just one pound of jasmine concentrate. It takes 800 pounds of crushed roses to bring just one pound of rose concentrate. But those pounds of concentrate, according to the perfume industry, turns into big dollars. Rose concentrate can run almost $4,000 a pound. Jasmine of India is as costly as $12,000 per pound. The article went on to say that ancient history bears out that the 
Assyrian men would perfume their beards. Nero literally bathed and washed in rose wine. In the 18th century, there were many homes that were built with wood paneling that had been scented to make their houses smell good. One of the most riveting things about the great perfumes of the world is that the way that they're mixed together. The article said when they're ready to mix that particular perfume, whatever it may be, together, said the perfumer acts as a composer. The work is done almost as a three-part musical piece. The part of the perfume known as the top note or the head, when it's applied to the skin, that part spins off the skin almost immediately. It is a fanfare that vanishes within minutes. The middle note, or the heart of the perfume, which is compounded of the heavier materials, can last for several hours. In preparation for this message, I couldn't help but reminisce. Uh, I obviously have gone in the bathroom behind Sister Murphy on many occasions uh, when she's just finished dressing to go somewhere. And when I walk in the bathroom, it still smells like she's still in there because she leaves behind that fragrance of perfume that she's just applied. But the Mar article went on to say that the last part is what they call the base note or the dry down. It can literally last for days after the wearer of the perfume has left. You can literally smell the perfume for days. Now, I want to say that most perfumes that people wear don't hardly last out the whole entire day. But if you get into that stuff that's three or $4,000 an ounce, that's the kind of perfume I'm talking about. You can smell it after the wearer has evacuated the premise for two or three days later. I might add that Mary's ointment that day, that we just read that scripture setting, that Mary's ointment, Mary's perfume, has resonated you can still smell that fragrance to this day because that day she was not interesting and just squirting perfume around the room she didn't wear it to show up and do something in the presence of those men and then exit the building and then talk about how wonderful her perfume was she was there for a greater purpose than that. And what she brought with her that day wasn't cheap. It wasn't an imitator. It wasn't a substitute. It was the real deal. And it cost her a lot of money. That being said, let me quote to you again what the article said in National Geographic some years ago. Perfume, if you consider what Mary brought that day, the Bible said it had a fragrance to it, and it filled the entire house in another scripture setting. They said perfume is a promise in a bottle. In other words, the people who smell it will be endeared to you. They will know that you were there. They will feel the presence 
of you. They will smell your presence for days to come. And they went on to say that perfume speaks more to our vulnerabilities. Perfume kind of makes up for certain weaknesses that we're vulnerable to. He said we sell hope. With every sacrifice that's offered up to Jesus, there is a sense of hope that accompanies that sacrifice. I will be honest with you today. It's hard for most people, including myself, to worship God as sacrificially as I can without including in that package some element of hope that, God, I'm going to worship you today, but I'm still needy. I still have problems in my life, and I sure hope that you'll consider my worship and also consider my need. So with every sacrifice that is offered up to Jesus, there's a sense of hope that accompanies that sacrifice no matter what it is. One huge byproduct of worshiping God is hope. There's always hope evident in worship. I know very few people that cannot worship God without an element of hope being attached to it. The perfumer said that day that hope is something we sell in every bottle of perfume because you hope when the person you're trying to attract to yourself smells it, they will return a favor of something that will be beneficial to you as well. I have always found when I worship God, I can't separate it from hope. But when I worship God, He fulfills the things that I hope for. Amen. It's going to take me a few minutes to get off the runway, but I'm getting close to the end of it right now. One great byproduct of worship is hope. The day of our scripture reading was probably on the Saturday before Palm Sunday. Here was Jesus with some of his closest friends and his disciples in the house of Simon the leper. The very event for the supper appears to have been motivated by gratitude that Simon had for Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. While they were eating their meal, a woman approaches Jesus. We understand and we learn from John chapter 12 that this woman was Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha, Lazarus just being raised from the dead by Jesus. She, without uttering a word, comes with a vessel or a box that could be easily broken or crushed. And in fact, it is broken and crushed and Jesus is anointed. Commentator William Barclay refers to this act as an oasis of sweetness in the desert of bitterness. What she did that day was an oasis of sweetness in a desert of bitterness. Worship works 
no matter what the environment is. Some of you aren't hearing me yet. I'm still trying to get off the runway. But worship works no matter what the environment may be around it. Mary's container was commonly referred to as soft marble. And it's interesting to me that her alabaster box has long outlived the ruins of the marble that was once caused the Roman Empire, which dominated the world of that day. But Mary is literally preparing Jesus for his burial. I'm going to come to this later. But what she does not know is while she is preparing him to die, she's preparing her through that act of worship to live. Boy, that's a praise God, hallelujah moment right there. If you will worship God, you may not know all the ins and outs of why you are worshiping or even who you are worshiping. But I can promise you, the more you worship Jesus, the more He's preparing you to live. Everybody say, that's good stuff. Thank you, I appreciate that. How is it that Mary knew what was going to happen to him? Listen to this. The answer is found when you examine and you look at her attitude and her posture towards him. She knew what she wanted to do, and she did have some understanding of why she wanted to do it, and it's a byproduct of her attitude and posture. When you look at Luke chapter 10, you remember when Martha invited Jesus over for dinner, and when Jesus showed up, where did Mary go? She went and sat at his feet. When Lazarus died and Martha whined about it in John 11, where did Mary go? She went back to his feet. Man, I wish I had time to preach this the way I want to. Clock's not a friend today. Her attitude and her posture created an environment that was life-giving to her. You wonder why we promote worship here at Grace Church so much. I encourage Casey to lead the praise team, to lead you to worship. If we can worship, we can create an environment that will give you hope, that will give you promise. We can create an environment that you can live in, that you can prosper in, that you can be healthy in. Folks, you got to worship. You can't come to church and sit on your hands and say, I don't feel good. Even when you've got cancer in your body and you're weak from chemotherapy treatments, when you want to worship God, you'll get out in the aisle. You'll dance. You'll run. You'll shout. You'll clap. You'll let the Lord have his way. But if you want hope, if you want life, you've got to worship the King of Kings. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Got to worship. You got to worship. So in both of these times, when Mary was at the feet of Jesus, Mary is specifically mentioned to have been in the presence of Jesus when she is at his 
feet. There is a posture and position that comes with real spiritual hunger, and it becomes the mentality of a true worshiper. It doesn't matter how much you've been with Jesus in the past. You still want to be with Jesus. Let me hurry. I was going to say something, but I'll, I'll let me keep going. When, when Mary brings the alabaster box and she crushes it and anoints the head of Jesus with the contents and the fragrance fills the house, the silence of that act of worship is shattered by murmuring, judgmental, Disciples. Disciples. This isn't a Pharisee thing now. This is a disciple thing. I would anticipate the Pharisees criticizing him or her, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have anticipated the disciples doing it. I thought they'd be on board. Hey, let's, let's get on board and worship with her. But that's not what the disciples did. None of them. They had indignation, the Bible said, among themselves. The original indicates that they ached with vexation towards her. What are you doing here? Who do you think you are? What do you think your relationship with Jesus is? You have no right to be here, especially doing what you're doing. And the vexation, they ache with it, the Bible said. This is the desert of bitterness that Barclay referred to. They murmured against her. Again, the original sheds greater light when it suggests that they growled at her and rebuked her vehemently according to the original. Buddy, you're really pushing the envelope when you get to that point, in my opinion. When you look at somebody and just... What are you doing here? You have no right to be here, etc. You get the point. To them, the act that day was a waste. It was worship wasted. Given by an unworthy woman to an unworthy Christ. To them, it was anything but worship. Why this waste, they ask. These are the words that come from a man who lived all of his life without really learning very much at all. This came from a man who had been following Jesus around for the past three plus years and hadn't learned anything at all. This is coming from a man who was born and raised in church. I mean, he was the only one from Judah. Judas Iscariot was. The other 11 disciples were Israelites. Judas Iscariot was from Judah. He was from the tribe of praise. This comes from that Holy Ghost-filled apostolic. Well, I've been in this way, and you have been in the way for the past 50 years. <laughs> oh, we shouldn't worship God and all this music. Now, every once in a while, I still hear stuff about music. It's gotten a whole lot better. I don't hear the music stuff too much anymore. I think folks have finally learned it don't do any good. I didn't get a whole lot of <laughs> back from that, but it is what it is. We're here to worship. And I'm going to stop right here and remind you again. Our worship and all the music and stuff we do with the lights and all that business, 
I'm not doing it because I want to be vogue and I feel some kind of pastoral peer pressure that we have to have cool stuff at Grace Church. Those of you that's been here long enough, you've gone through Bible study with me. When Solomon wanted to build God a temple, he spared no expense. And I can promise you, if this was a modern-day Solomon's temple, you would have laser shooting across this building. You would have every kind of instrument up here you could think of, a choir as big as Texas, you name it, and more animals outside to sacrifice than you could count. He went all out, buddy. And if you didn't like it, it's okay to miss church that day, I guess. But when he celebrated the presence of God, God came in and took over and shut down their program. We should learn a lesson from that. I'm not into lights and lasers because it's cool. To me, it's just an another medium to show God and to present God to somebody in a huge way because he's great because he's great and greatly to be praised oh yes he is oh yes he is Pentecostals have engaged the concept that God is great and He is average to be praised. God is great, but I praise Him when I'm in the mood. God is great, but I praise Him when I can be there. I heard that. You will see him in his grave if you don't worship him. He'll resurrect, but you won't. It is good preaching. Why this waste? These are words that come from a man who has lived all of his life without really learning very much at all. Put a lot of Pentecostals in that bracket. We think we know. But it's been a long time since some of us have really been at the feet of Jesus. It's been a long time since some of us have had a good repent session and a good talking tongue session. You can say you're Pentecostal all you want, but let, let it be measured by how often you're in the presence of God. How's the pray first working for anybody here today? Is it working pretty good? You're going over there and praying and talking to God. It's working in here. Somebody's doing it. Okay, I'm done with the meddling now. I'll, I'll, let me move on. Little did Judas realize that there is much, in fact, a great gulf that exists between wasting and giving. Mary didn't waste it, she gave it. There will always be a cost involved in consecration and separation, no matter how pure, holy, or sacred the act may be. There will all be always those who question and accuse the person who goes beyond. Much comes from worship that is given, worship that's not coerced, worship that's not demanded, but is spontaneous and real. Much comes from worship that's given. And Jesus finally blurted out, Leave her alone! And this is kind of where I like to help Jesus in that department. If you're interfering with worship and you don't like worship, if you can't hear Him in your ear saying, Leave them alone, I'll say it. And I don't mind saying it. Let her alone. 
These are the words that came from the mouth of Jesus. These words are calm, but the command is unmistakable. There are memorials that come from things that are broken. Listen to Pastor right now. Crushed grain and wheat becomes bread. Bruised plants give up their oils that help us heal. Broken pictures help Gideon, Chris, to fight his foes. It was a wasted barrel and an empty cruise that the prophet of God was sustained. It was on broken boards and a pieces of a ship that Paul and his companions were saved. And although no bone of the Lord was broken, his body was broken that so we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. It was by the scattering of the early church that the Gentiles were saved. It's on broken parts. It's on broken things. It's not on wasted things, but broken given things that the power of God excels and moves in glorious fashion. If somebody here today would break open just a little bit, if you would break open a little bit and clap your hands and shout unto God with a voice of triumph, you send up to heaven a voice of hope and God will hear your prayer. Hallelujah. It's the broken parts of life sometimes that yield the greatest motives for service to God. It it became a memorial in the eyes of God. The memorials of God are far more lasting than the memorials of men. And that will be the catch of life. Some memorials offer God and others offer men. But those who offer memorials will always have to understand that Mark's narrative displays to us two distinctive classes of people. You're one or the other. You're either a griper or a giver. The griper always hangs himself. If not with rope, then he does so with words. The giver, on the other hand, gives himself to immortality. Why this waste? There's always imminent danger when the cost of love and worship is attempted to be calculated. When you begin to sit down and try to calculate how much this is going to cost me, you've ruined it. It's like putting a sunset over in, in, in a microscope. You destroy the beauty of it. Why this waste? You can't calculate it. This precious perfume was not wasted. It was wasted as long as it was held prisoner in the bottle or the box. It's liberated when the box is broken and the fragrance escapes out. This perception, well, Judas had the perception that allowed him to understand the price of the perfume, but not the purpose. He could not understand the purpose of the perfume but he did understand the price. This perception would haunt him because later he would understand the price of blood, but never grasp the beauty and power of love. Let me hurry on. This precious perfume was poured out by a loving heart, and it was not wasted. The question would would have been wasted if she had used it on the body of her brother Lazarus would have been considered a waste. He had already resurrected from the dead. So technically, it would have been wasted on him. But it would not have been considered a waste because that purpose would have been more clear and evident to them. She never got the opportunity to do so. 
because of a miracle had walked into her life. Listen to pastor today. Maybe she was saving that box of alabaster ointment to anoint her brother when it became apparent that he was going to die. But since Jesus resurrected him, she gave it to her God instead of her sister Martha, who would probably be the next one to eventually die. But if I give this to God now and my sister dies later, God will sustain me through her death better. She did not waste the perfume on the dead, but she allowed it to be consumed on the living. This is what life is really about, allowing what God has given you to be consumed on others. And if you have been the recipient of a miracle, if you have been the recipient of a miracle like Mary was that day, they were having this supper to celebrate the resurrection of Lazarus. So what are you here today to celebrate? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot that we have nothing to celebrate. I forgot that God hasn't done anything for anybody in this room. I preached to you last Sunday about all you folks have been flooded out. Most of you is back in your home. When that flood hit, man, you thought this is over. I thought it was over for a lot of people. We're going to lose people. We're going to move away. You're going to lose your job, your house, everything. You're all still here. You're all still here. Amen. You're still here. Anybody here been a recipient of a miracle lately? I know Kelly Adams has. I know Tanya and Jonathan have. They've been a recipient of a miracle. Their little boy's running around today. Man, he could have had a brutal surgery ahead of him, but God stepped in. Y'all have any ointment y'all like to give Jesus today? Y'all have some perfume? Or are you going to save it for something else? If you've been a recipient of a miracle, why don't you stand and break an alabaster box? Go ahead and break your alabaster box. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Clap your hands one more time and shout, yeah. Thank the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. There's people here been be in the grave right now that had not been for Jesus. There's people here today you wouldn't be married right now if it hadn't been for Jesus. There's people here today God only knows where your kids would be if it hadn't been for Jesus. We, we have some ointment. We have some perfume. But notice this. The, there's a purpose for all things in life. There's a purpose for all things in life. And the greatest waste in life comes from hoarding things and keeping things from their proper use. And that includes praise and thanksgiving and worship when it came when it comes to Jesus now those of you who's been here a while I don't like to go here I don't like to do the guilt trip thing and point out things or whatever but today I'm going to do it <clears throat> I want to say Jonathan and Tanya y'all could be in the hospital today or Toting a baby around in a body cast or a cast from his waist down. But God decided to be nice. Just go ahead and take care of that and 
not have to fool with it. Kelly, you could be facing knee replacement. Who knows? But God took care of it. The Thornton family, as I mentioned last Sunday, could still be grieving over the loss of a twin baby or at least, at least both twins. I'd like to say this morning to Tommy and Sheila Goins, <clears throat> not been for the grace of God, you could have buried a son a few months ago, or Brother Tommy, or both. But God had different plans. Patsy Palmer faced a surgery a number of years ago, and I'll never forget it. She was in the operating room, I think it was 16 to 18 hours, and there were two or three teams, as I remember, teams of surgeons that came and operated on a tumor in the back of her head that entwined itself all throughout her brain and down the part of her neck. And the doctor said, if, if she's much more than a vegetable, when she comes out of it, we'll be surprised. And she'll probably lose this, and she'll probably won't be able to do that and this and that and this and that. She had a few side effects from that, but that surgery was a number of years ago, and she's still here, and she's still working a job because God... My point is how much longer are those of you that's been recipients of miracles going to hoard your praise and hoard up your worship? It's time to start celebrating Jesus, man. If God has been good to you, we need to let him know about it on a regular basis. This ain't a guilt trip. This is a biblical trip. The Bible said let everything that had breath praise the Lord, and we ought to praise him for what he's done in us. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You may be seated. I got to hurry, man. I got to hurry. The perfume would have been wasted had it not been used. And there's folks here today that hoard up bitterness when they ought to let it go and let it go of a long past and often forgotten hurts. Some hoard up anger when they ought to pour out forgiveness. Some hoard up jealousy when they should find contentment with life. Some hoard up long nurtured grudges when they ought to pour out thankfulness. Some hoard up old hurts when they ought to give us into spiritual healing. Some hoard up past mistakes of others when they ought to hold themselves to the same expectation and accountability and this would generate mercy in your own life. Hoarded up worship. Hoarded up perfume, if you will. Will never become a memorial before God until it's bursted open and given to Him. There is no wasted worship. There is no wasted worship. And had she not broken the vase, had she not broken the box, her heart would have eventually been broken. Can I have a few more minutes? I'm five minutes over. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to anyway. but <laughs> This perfume that she broke at the feet of Jesus cost her 82% of a year's salary. And we struggle with 10. You want to worship? Start tithing. She gave an 82% tithe. I've never done that. As a matter of fact, I'm terrified, Sister Murph, to even preach this scripture setting. Because the last time I did, 
when I got done preaching it. God spoke to me about a motorcycle I had and said, what about that? I just got another one. And I'm terrified. <laughs> oh, God, help me, Jesus. But I gave him one. I did. I sold that rascal for $15,500 and gave every dime of it to the church. But even at that, what an 82% of my income. I've never given 82%. I don't know that I've ever given half of my income at one time. And Judas Iscariot had the nerve to call this a waste. This woman was given everything she had. Almost a year's sustenance was gone in a moment. And the service was over. And she walked away, she thought at least, with nothing. But hope comes in every bottle. I'm going to come to that in a minute. I'm going to come to that in a minute. A man related that after the death of his oldest child, he was standing in an airport waiting for his flight, noticed a little girl 10 years old or so, and she was looking at some dolls in one of the mall areas of that airport, and she had a, a, the, with her an elderly man with her, and she said, Granddaddy, loan me the money to buy this doll, and I'll pay you back out of my allowance when I get home. The man who had lost a child thought to himself, How many times have I heard similar appeals? But if we do not respond to opportunities for worship. There may come a time when our heart will break at the loss of that opportunity. Did Mary really understand her actions on that day? Did she understand what her heart was feeling on that day? Did she really know that she was stepping in, into immortality that day? I doubt she really knew. She was simply responding to a much deeper call, a call that she knew, a call that knew there was some good work and wasted ointment, and Jesus answered it. She has anointed my body for burial, and she did it before I died. Mary put her gift into his hands rather than saving it for his grave. He did not need a marble monument. What he needed was true worship. This is really cool right here in the Orient. An old custom would cause a host to go to the seat of an honored guest and take the glass that he was drinking from and break it at the end of the meal. It was done for a reason that no lesser hand would ever hold that glass than the hand of that guest. And perhaps this was in Mary's mind that day when she broke the alabaster box. But there was one thing in the mind of Jesus that probably never entered into Mary's mind on that day in his last week. Jesus knew the custom of the, of the East, and that is to first bathe the body and then anoint the body with oil and perfumes. And after the body had been attended to, then the flask that was contained the perfume was broken into pieces and placed in the grave with the body of the one who died. Although Mary didn't mean it as such, but that's exactly what she was doing. Jesus said, Let her alone while troubled you her. She hath wrought a good work on me. Notice this. And I'm hurrying, I promise you I am. In the Greek language... There are two words that are used for good. There's agathos, which describes a thing that is morally good. And then there's kalos, which describes a thing which is not only good, but lovely. A thing that is agathos, a thing that is good, it can still be hard, stern, austere, and even unattractive. Justice, ethics, honor 
can fall into this category. They're good and necessary, but they're rigid, and sometimes they can be unmerciful and even hurtful. But a thing can be kalos, and that is winsome and lovely and has a certain appeal to it. And this is what Mary was doing that day. Love does not only do only good things, love does lovely things. So if love is true, there will always be some extravagance about it. If love can see, there will always be a sense of recklessness that comes with it. If love is alive, it will not calculate. In fact, when love gives everything, the gift is always too small. Preached a sermon a number of years ago, the Calvary that wasn't necessary. You know that when they slapped Jesus across the face and they beat him with rods and they put a crown of thorns and they pulled his hair out and his beard out by the handfuls and they spit on him, that wasn't necessary. That had nothing to do with healing, nor did it have to do with salvation. He did it to show an outpouring of love. And I'm convinced here today, Brother James, that in the mind of God, Calvary was such an act of love, but even in that act itself, it wasn't enough to show the true love of God. That God loves you more than what even Calvary can show you. So one of the greatest tragedies of life is that when we're often moved to do something great and we don't do it, we may give into certain uh, give into a certain sense of shyness or awkwardness, or even give in to second thoughts. It often occurs with the simplest of things: the impulse to send a letter of thanks, the impulse to call someone and tell them how much they really mean to us, or the impulse to give a special gift. And far too often, we give in to the ordinary, and we never waste our perfume for the occasion that it was meant to be wasted on. But to Mary, Jesus was everything. It was everything to her. And she would not save her treasure for a lesser use. So why do so many insist on keeping their treasure, their alabaster boxes, their hoarded gifts away from the highest use of the master? Was it really reckless extravagance of an impulsive and demonstrative woman? Jesus said, she hath done what she could. This was the description Jesus gave as to her actions. Our actions will always perform a ministry beyond our immediate intentions. When you live your life, this is crucial to understand. In conclusion today, if I could, I'd energize all of our prayers with faith and desire. If I could, I'd give all of us a restlessness that would torment our minds until we let our whole life collapse in the presence of God. If I could, I'd give an insatiable hunger for God to everybody. I would bless you with a desire for holiness. I would touch you in a way that would cripple your flesh and exalt your spirit. If I could, I'd impact you with passion that rage to have a true revival. If I could, I'd entrust you to a holy, godly, and awe-inspiring devotion to God. If I could, I'd impart you to a burning zeal to not just know the word but to live the word if I could I'd touch you with a transparency that caused you to live life before all men without reproach I'd do something to you that caused you to break your alabaster box into a thousand pieces but none of this can ever happen in fact none of these things are entrusted to me to allow to happen no matter how often I pray to you for you no matter how often I preach to you no matter how often I fast for you all of this has to come from somewhere within you and we all must long for that good work to come when we're willing to waste 
our worship and give God everything we've got. Remember, the industry leader said, we sell hope in a bottle. And I'm often dismayed because I preach like this as often as I can. If I had my way about it, I'd preach worship every Sunday. For a person that's repented and been filled with the Holy Ghost, it is the greatest avenue you have to God, in my opinion. God don't turn down worship. Do you understand today, in the most simplest form, the very byproduct of being God, the very nature of God, feeds on people who worship that God. Gods are to be worshipped. That's the whole point of a God is that it can be worshipped whoever that God is. But it's also up to the worshiper to worship that God to where that God feels fulfillment from that worship. Not when the worshiper is fulfilled when the one being worshipped is fulfilled by the worship. But every time you worship, you can come up here and beg and plead. And oftentimes I see the same people doing it over and over, and I'm not dismissing or discounting that, but I see the people do it over and over, God help me, God help me, God help me, God help me. Quit doing that. It becomes a nagging child at Walmart. Mama, can I have this toy? 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 Oh, Mama, can I have this toy? Can I have this toy? Can I have this toy? Oh, Mama, 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 Mama. I got to have this toy. I got to have this toy. I got to. And after a while, you want to scream. Maybe you don't. I do. But little Noah Christopher has mastered the art. With that little one tooth missing in the front, he can smile. And he can do a little dance and point his little crooked finger and tell you how wonderful you are. He has mastered the sweetness, the sweet parts of the English language. Oh, Annie, you are so beautiful. You're so gorgeous. And Annie, I love you so very much. And he don't have to do that but about 10 seconds, and she's just slobber running down her chin and say, Noah, whatever you want, you can have it, baby. You can have it, baby. I've seen it work. There's a grandmother and a great aunt here this morning that falls to the same ploy. Now, Papa, on the other hand, I've mastered it. Hey, you don't get Anyway. <laughs> Noah and Joseph showed up here yesterday morning. They was doing some work out in the Bay Center. Thank you guys very much for that. You know who you are. And they came, and Joseph had a big box of some big toy thing and asked me to help him put it together, and I did. I said, where'd you get that? He said, pat, pat. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to ask him, well, what did you do to have to get it? Love you, pat, pat. I declare Pat and Lady Gray would buy them Walmart if them boys wanted it. But that's the way love and worship works, do you understand? It's hard for God to say no to you when you're up here loving him and you're amazing and you're awesome 
when you worship, it puts hope in a bottle. God knows what you have need of before you ask Him. He knows what you need. What He wants out of you is your worship. But we do it opposite. If you give us what we need, then we'll worship you. That ain't how God works. Worship Him first. And not only will you get what you need and what you think you need, but God will give you Everybody stand. I'm, I'm finished. I've gone way over, but the last three Sundays I've preached real short. You owe me. I mentioned a few minutes ago, this is my point. This is what I've come to preach. I mentioned a little while ago, how did Mary know what she was doing? That she anointed his body for his burial. I don't believe she knew that. But what she did know, Sister Melanie, what she did know is that this person who I set at his feet and I've broken 82% of a year's income and I just poured it on his head. This is what I do know. I do know because of what he did for my brother that he is the resurrection. I do know that. And if I will worship him, he resurrected my brother he'll resurrect me there's people here today you won't worship you sit there like a knot on a log and you're scared to death like God's going to attack you if you worship him or something or somebody in his grace church is going to do it or not and you really can't make up your mind but you don't understand the hope that's attached around worship there's people here today your marriage is in horrible shape your kids are in horrible shape your job's in horrible shape your home and your, your finances and all that stuff and you, you begged and pleaded or not said anything why don't you try worshiping the one that you know is the resurrection and see if he'll put life back into your marriage and life back into your home and life back into your heart and life back into your finances. Anybody get me? You're not worshiping Grace Church. You're not worshiping Pastor. You're worshiping Christ. Who is the resurrection? Who is the resurrection? And who has resurrected the lives of people standing all around you? And if he did it for them. There are some stories that I know today. There are some stories that I can't tell because of confidence. But there's been folks here today that's broken the alabaster box more than once. And God has come through for them. Phil Elwood, you'll never know what you did for me this morning to see you go around and to have the strength to do that. But you know why? It's because this man sits at the feet of Jesus all the time. He, just what he does, it's his life. He loves God. God took him back after a 30-year absence. And he's making up for lost time, so to speak, if you will. And he breaks an alabaster box every chance he gets. But there's people here today, you've come hoarding up all kind of stuff on the inside of you. Get rid of it. Pour it out on him through worship, via worship, and see what he does in return. You will never over-invest in worship, and you will never over-invest your love 
in Christ. No matter how much you give to Him, it will always be too small for what He's worthy of. So today as they begin to sing, and as our custom is here at Grace Church, I want to invite everybody to come, but I'm going to ask you to come and worship today. Just come and worship. Come. Worship. Bring Him a sacrifice of praise. Are we comfortable with that? Are we comfortable for that? Those of you that God's given you a miracle, come up here and celebrate it. Prepare a dinner today, right now, for Jesus who resurrected something in your life and gave you life back. You may have been a backslider at some point. Celebrate the fact that He took you back. You may have been healed physically or spiritually or mentally, emotionally. Celebrate that today and give God some worship back. Break open the alabaster box. Give it back to Him. Give it back to Him. Give it back to Him. Worship Him. Throw your hands up in the air. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, folks. All across the building, throw your hands up in the air. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my spouse, oh God. Thank you for my parents. Thank you, God, for the things that you've blessed me with. God, I'm here to give back. God, I've come to give back. Come on, folks, don't be uncomfortable with this. You've got something to appreciate God for. Everybody has something to appreciate God for. Let Him move in your life right now. Let Him move in you right now. Let Him have His way. Come on, somebody. Somebody let the Lord have His way. Somebody let the Lord have His way. Hallelujah to God. We're going to worship for a moment. We're going to worship for a moment. We're going to pray with people. But right now, we've come to worship. We've come to worship. God, I worship you. God, I worship you. God, you've been good to me. God, you've been good to me. God, you've been good to me. Sing, Derek. Sing, Derek. Sing. Yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. We're in the presence of the Lord. Somebody's getting it right now. Somebody's getting it right now. You want hope. You want hope fulfilled. It goes with worship. It goes with worship. It goes with worship. Somebody worship Him. Come on, ministry team. Help me right now. Ministry team, help me right now. If you're struggling for a breakthrough, we want to pray with you right now. We want to pray with you right now if you're struggling for a breakthrough. Somebody let the Lord have His way.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you see somebody around you struggling a little bit, if you see somebody around you struggling a little bit, why don't you pray with them? Help somebody break their alabaster box. Why don't you help somebody? I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. Come on. There's a tidal wave of Holy Ghost coming right now. There's a tidal wave of Holy Ghost coming right now. Somebody let him have his way. Come on. Yes, Lord. Come on, ministry team. Come on, ministry team. Somebody let the Lord have his way. <laughs> 